Welcome to another UCTV.TV podcast presented by University of California Television. Good morning and welcome to Science on Saturday. Today we're going to talk about climate change and I really, last week, I was kind of I was kind of convinced about climate change. And this week, I'm hoping for climate change. And uh, somehow I get the two confused because I hear about all of these storms in Washington, D.C. In fact, I was there a few weeks ago, and it snowed so hard that they shut the city town. And then for the Super Bowl, they managed to put ice on the dome, and it slid off and injured people. So somehow I get climate change sometimes mixed up with weather. But anyway, today maybe we'll get all of this straightened out. And we have three very interesting speakers. One is Dean Williams, and he's a computer scientist at the Lawrence Livermore Laboratory, and he's in the program for climate model diagnostics and intercomparison. And uh, you'll, eventually you'll figure out what that means, but a uh, very important job. But th he's been working in climate, this whole area of climate modeling for some time. And uh, he actually... Uh, got his bachelor's degree in applied mathematics and statistics, and then a master's degree in computer science from uh, California State University at Chico. That's right. And lovely place. That's right. <laughs> uh, we have two teachers with us today. One is Tiffany Bur uh, Burkle, and she's a science teacher at Junction Avenue Middle School, and that's the new K-12 form of Junction School. And she's been teaching uh, in the school system for 11 years. And we have another teacher, Roger Johnson. And he is from Monte Vista High School. And he uh, studied uh, physical science at uh, Cal State Hayward. And uh, my wife graduated from Cal State Hayward probably about the same time, right? Yeah. And uh, the issue with her is they changed its name to Cal State East Bay. And so, uh, do you have the same issue that now yeah. no one knows what Cal State Hayward is? is? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he's been teaching physics and uh, chemistry in the area since 1992. So we have a very, very talented group here to give you a, a, a presentation on climate change. And I think you'll find it fascinating. And so let's give him a big hand and welcome him. Are we going to do our little thing? Okay. Morning, everybody. So uh, when you guys hear the words climate change, what, what do you think? What comes to mind? If you want to give us a, any hands up on this. Someone way up in the back there. How the weather changes, okay. And in the white sweatshirt? Global warming, okay. Another possible meaning here. Anybody else? Climate change. That one way over there in the corner. Yep, in the red. Melting ice caps. Excellent. We have another one up there. The atmosphere heating up. Okay, that's another great example. Well, the, these are some of the examples, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Specifically, that's what Dean's going to talk about today. Yeah, right. Is that you kind of know what climate change is, but how do we know that these changes are taking place? And so that's going to be the first part of his talk. And then secondly is, what can you do about it? So once we know, what can we do? Okay. Dean? That's yours. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so welcome again to the third Science on Saturday. You can give him a hand. And there's uh, lots of uh, colleagues out there in the community that are computer scientists like myself 
I have some of my colleagues here. Uh, Gavin Bell is here. He works with me at the Program for Climate Model Diagnosis and Comparison, PCMDI. And we have others around the world. Ben Santer is a climate scientist who is also in our group. He isn't here to make, he isn't able to make it today. And then we have our, our newest colleagues to the climate science community, uh, Tiffany and Roger. So again, this, this talk is to inform you all of climate change. And I consider all of you guys uh, climate scientists. You live in this environment. This is something that's important to all of us. And so with that said, we're going to start by getting into uh, this climate change science. I'm going to tell a little bit about myself. Uh, I, like I said, I graduated from Chico. I got my undergraduate degree in, in applied mathematics and statistics. And I went on and got my computer science degree. Uh, and I did my thesis on, on clouds. So this fits in very nicely with my career. Uh, my, as, a scientist, as a young person, I really enjoyed reading about the young uh, African-American scientists out there. My favorite was George Washington Carver. And I liked his tenacity and his determination to solve problems, particularly what he'd done for the, for the peanut. So that's a little bit about my background, but now let's get into our talk. So our talk's going to cover the natural and human influence on climate change. We're also going to cover uh, case studies and effective relationships in uh, climate systems. We're also going to cover the uh, climate models and what climate models are used for. You'll see very uh, soon that the climate model is a tool that we use to understand and predict the future of climate change. And I'm going to get into evaluation of climate models. You'll come to realize that most industrialized countries have their own climate model. And it's up to our group, the Program for Climate Model Diagnosis and Comparison, to determine and detect uh, the differences between these, these models. And then we're going to cover some areas of concern and then what you can do. And this is going to be an interactive talk. So I have a game at the end, so please stay for the game. It's a lot of fun. And this game you can be able to take home with you and play with it on the Internet and try to get a better score than what we'll get out of this today, I'm sure. So with that said, we're going to talk about the natural and human influence on climate. Okay, so climate 101, climate change 101, the greenhouse effect, right? You've heard a lot about the greenhouse effect. Well, what is it? Well, we do know these things. We know that the sun warms our planet, right? And it comes in the form of what we call long-wave radiation. And we can see that. It's yellow. And that's what you see on this picture here. You see that the long-wave radiation, which are in yellow, which we can see, reflects off the, surf, off the, surf of the, surf, of the earth, surface of the earth and also off of the cloud, right, and bounces back out into the atmosphere. Well, once it heats the ground or if it hits the ground and bounces back off, reflects back in the atmosphere, it comes back off in a form we call infrared, uh, infrared, and that we can't see, but we can feel it. It's in the form of heat, so we feel that heat. The greenhouse effect, the most abundant ones you see on the right-hand side, are water vapor, carbon dioxide, methane gas, and, and so forth and so on. You can see them here. There's more than just these, but there's a few others. But the, pro but the thing is we're looking at here is that for the most part, when it, these greenhouse gases are reflecting this heat or infrared back into the, into the environment, you can see they go everywhere. And what happens is it gets trapped. So these gases trap and warms the surface of the earth and also the lower atmosphere, which is called the troposphere. And that is a good thing, because without these gases, the world would not be warm enough to sustain life as we know it. But you know what they say about too much of a good thing, right? It can harm you. Too much of this can be harmful for us, and that's what we're looking at and trying to study. Why and what will the causes of all this greenhouse gases that we're emitting into the atmosphere, what the effect will be. 
Okay, so the natural mechanism that influences our climate. Again, we talked about the sun changes. The sun puts out a certain amount of energy, which goes in a peak in a cycle. I'll show a picture of this earlier so you can see it. It's a cycle, it's a cycle to this Earth's impact, or the sun's uh, output of energy. It happens every 11 years, and we're looking at that to see if that's going to uh, dictate if it warms the planet or not. There's other things out there as well, such as volcanoes. We know that in, in 1991, Mount Pinatubo erupted, and it emitted these, this, what we call aerosol or particles into the atmosphere. And what you see here, this is a, this is a satellite image of that hurricane eruption. The particles go so high into the stratosphere, which is the top piece of the, of the atmosphere, and it cools that part, but then also it cools the actual Earth's temperature. So those type of things are, are natural. And more importantly, if you look over on the right-hand side, you see that there are things we're trying to study, which is called El Nino and La Nina. El Nino is the warming of the Pacific Ocean around California. And when that happens, there could be droughts in certain regions of the country, and indeed around the world. And also there's La Nina, and La Nina is a cooling of that earth, of that ocean uh, temperature. And when that happens, there could be a wetter uh, atmosphere or a wetter uh, climate, particularly in California, but indeed around the world. And in some cases, in the southern parts of the United States, that causes a drought as well. So these are natural changes that occur. And these are things that we look at, and it kind of call, it, it oscillates back and forth. And oscillating, you can look at it as something like vibrates. So it kind of goes from one side to the other. And we do know that some of these changes, such as uh, El Nino and La Nina, happens about every two to seven years. Okay, so some of the human factors uh, that influences our climate change. On the picture or the image to the left, what you see are some of the greenhouse gases. Uh, you could see that uh, these are in what we call parts per million, and that's equivalent to you have a million people in this room, and you say 300 parts per million. So that's, that's exactly what we're doing here. We're trying to see how much uh, gas, greenhouse gases, are, are in the atmosphere, and we know that as the time has gone on, you can see from uh, year 2000 here, this has been a spike in the number of greenhouse gas uh, parts per million that's in the atmosphere. If you look over in the middle, you see the aerosols or the uh, particulates that are burning from burning uh, fossil fuels or biomass. Biomass is the burning of trees and, and wheat and fields and things like that. And what you see right here in the middle again is, is uh, uh, Guadalupe. You see that in, that in 1998, you can see the forest fires. You can see the fires burning uh, from a satellite image, which is, which is dramatic. Because, again, from the last previous slide, we saw that the, the, sun's temp the sun's rays reaches the earth, and this gets through the earth, and it will trap it and warm the temperature. So these are some of the things we need to worry about. And then the last image up there, what you'll see is the, what we call the reflection of the solar rays that hits the earth and reflects back out into the atmosphere, and that we call albedo. And so these are some of the variables that we're actually taking a look at when we get to the climate model. Okay, so this is a very interesting and telling picture for us. So what we've done is we're actually able to go out into the ice cores, and in the ice cores there's traps of air particles, and we can actually determine how much CO2 or other types of greenhouse gases were captured during that period of time. And this picture is very interesting because what we've done, is we went back over a million years over that time period, and you could see 
that there's some oscillation, which we mentioned, go back and forth, that vibration of back and forth, which is natural. But you can see at this 300 parts per million, we never quite reached that threshold until now. About the 2000, 2008, we can see now we're almost at 400 parts per million as far as CO2, uh, carbon greenhouse gas emissions. And from our models we're looking at, we could see that we're going to be probably between 550 and 900 parts per million by the year 2100. These are actually predictions, and we'll show you how we got to these predictions as well. But these are some of the things that we're actually concerned about. And as scientists, we want to know whether it's going to be good for the planet, bad for the planet, good for species or not good for species, and it's something we need to actually take a look at. Again, we're all scientists here. This is our planet. We need to actually understand what's going on here. So this is important. Okay, so studying the cause and effect and relationship in the climate system is up. And what we see here is we know from the previous two slides there was the, we talked about the natural causes of global warming. And then we talked about the natural human or the human and forces on global warming or greenhouse or climate change. So this black line represents the observational data, okay, the, the actual temperature we observe over time. And from late 1960s, 1600s to, to now, we've had uh, observational data from ships trapping or, or capturing the, the temperature of the earth uh, to the barometric, barometric pressures of the earth by uh, just going out there in, in the ocean and just taking the temperature. Then we got better and better sophisticated observational equipment over time. And that's what you see this line here, this black line, is that temperature. And you can see from 19, around 1920 on up, you can see this black line. So the blue line represents, if there was no humans involved, you'll see this natural forcing only of the climate change or the greenhouse gases, the warming over time. This is looking at temperature only. But we couldn't explain why this observational data, the observational line, the temperature is warming until we put in the human effects. And that's this pink line or this red line you see here. Once we put in our effects, then we match up nicely with the black line, which is observations. That was the alarm for us, and we said, okay, well, we need to understand exactly why this is going up and how we can, you know, maybe make some mitigation or adapt to some of the changes that are going to be affected or occurring. So. Just like our fingerprints, just like our fingerprints, everything has a fingerprint, and we want to detect what these fingerprints are. For example, if I went, your neighbor has a different set of fingerprints than you. So we say, okay, we can detect what type of gases or what type of uh, greenhouse gases or ozone layer or other, other types of uh, gases out there. What are their fingerprints? What are the sun's fingerprints? And so uh, we had a... Ben, ben Santer went out there and he said, okay, well, let's see if we can detect this. What you see in the top piece is the well-mixed greenhouse gases all together. And that black line in the center that you see looking at this upper left is a division of the troposphere, which is the lower atmosphere, and the stratosphere, which is the upper atmosphere. And you can see, if we mix them all together, you see around the equator, that's where the greatest warming will occur. I'm not going to go through all these, but I'll go through some of them. So, over you see the sulfate aerosols, and you can see here in this, this lower north pole, again, sorry, this goes from the north pole to the south pole, and the equator's in the middle, and what we've done is we've actually taken a slice of all the data, compressed it, and averaged it over time in order to produce this. You'll see here that the fingerprint in this particular case is this little blue blurb here, and that's where most of the 
industrial nations are in the northern hemisphere. So that's why you see this actual blue, this little blue blob of, of warming here. I'm going to skip down to the, to the sun here. If you look over in the lower left side, you'll see that for the sun, it's more diffuse. It's not really warming, whether it's in the stratosphere or in the troposphere. And we said, okay, well, the sun is really not having an effect on climate change. And that's been determined. And, and we pretty much said, okay, and I'll show you a later picture of what we actually modeled or, or actually graphed the output of the energy level for the sun. And we could say, oh, it's not really doing much as far as climate change. And then here's all factors. In the lower right side, you'll see all the factors. And what you'll see is in the lower, again, in the North Pole, where most of the industrialized nations are, you see a greater warming there. And, and again, this is where a lot of the emissions from cars and, and coal-producing uh, power plants are occurring. And again, in the equator, you see some warming there, but not a lot is going on in the southern poles. And I'm going to show an animation of that after this slide. So again, this is a very interesting slide. It's showing the Earth's temperature increase uh, has increased over the last 30 years, uh, despite the overall increase in the sun's energy output. So what you're looking at at the bottom from 19, around 1970 or so, you can see, the again, the, the frequency. Every 11 years, you get a higher energy input and then a lower energy input out, in, output from the sun. But at the top piece here, this is the actual global temperature of the Earth. You can see this kind of straight line, steady increase of the... Earth's temperature, whether, it's, whether the sun is going at a lower increase of energy or, or a greater increase of energy, it doesn't matter. So that's how we determine whether or not that the sun has an effect on climate change. Okay, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to show you guys uh, an animation. This is an animation that was developed for uh, what we call the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. The intergovernmental panel on climate change is very important. Most uh, industrialized countries have their own climate model. In some cases, some have two or three. The United States have five climate models that we actually contribute to the intergovernmental panel on climate change. And what we've actually done in this particular case is for the 2007 uh, intergovernmental panel on climate change data, which is called the assessment report for assessment report release number four, we actually averaged all the, all the temperature data from all the climate models together to get this image. And we did this at Livermore Lab. And I'm going to run this picture for you. But look for the, the temperature over the globe, over the land, and over the sea ice, or not over the ocean. And then look at the melting at the northern pole for the uh, sea ice melting. So I'm going to run this right now. And one thing about the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, in 2007, it won the Nobel Peace Prize for uh, the awareness of climate change for our community. So again, this is up at PCMDI for the Program for Climate Model Diagnosis and Comparison. And this is running from 1880 out to 2100. And again, this is averaging 23 climate models together for the temperature of the ocean and the temperature of land and sea ice. And what we have here, you know, got to watch out for the uh, asteroids that are flying by the Earth. But you'll see at the northern pole we have uh, the ice cap, you'll see in a minute, the uh, we'll call sea ice, which grow and expand uh, in a seasonal cycle. There's growing and it's contracting, growing and expanding over, over a period of time. 
And, and over a period of time, you'll see where you'll, it'll come up and show you the actual temperature on the upper right-hand side of the climate change. So the upper right shows the actual climate change or the temperature of the global Earth uh, temperature over a period of uh, first 100 years. So about 2,000, it only increases to about 1 degree Celsius, which isn't a lot, but it is increasing. And as you go over the period of time, you'll see that it'll increase even more and more to a factor of between 3 and 4 degrees Celsius. And what we've done is we fine-tuned these models so that uh, it runs for a period of time to kind of match the observational data, and then we extrapolate out to see what's going to happen after that. So in this particular case, see how the actual sea ice melts in the northern, at the, at the Arctic? It melts and contrasts. And that's something that we don't know what's going to happen. You hear a lot of things about polar bears becoming extinct because they can't hunt and those kind of things. So this is, this is very important that we need to understand what's going on here. Again, take a look at the land. The land mass is warming higher or more than the actual ocean. And that's because a lot of the reflection is going on there and a lot of the surface temperature warming there. When the oceans heat up, they expand. So we're expecting the actual land mass to kind of decrease a little bit because the oceans are expanding. So those are some of the things we need to uh, pay attention to. So again, in this particular case, at the very end of this, you could see that by the year 2100, uh, the, the models are predicting between, and this is a conservative estimate, by the way, they're predicting between uh, 3 to 5 uh, degrees Celsius in, in the temperature increase for, for us. And this is important not only for you guys, but it's important for the next generation after you guys as well. So we want to make sure we understand what's going on and how we can actually mitigate or adapt to some of these changes. Okay, so let's go. So now we're going to talk about some of the climate models. So these are some of the things that we get to play around with on big, huge supercomputers uh, around the globe. And what I'm going to talk about in this particular case is the history of climate models. Remember, climate models for us are tools, tools that we use in order to predict the future outcome of the Earth's climate. And what you see here is in the mid-'70s, when we ran our models, basically we only, can under we only ran the models and produced one or two variables. Rain was one, and we put in CO2. Not a, not a whole lot going on in this case. Why? Because remember, in the 1980s and 70s, the computers were big, not, didn't have enough memory, weren't very fast, and so we couldn't contain a whole lot, right? And as we moved on and the computers got bigger, they said, oh, the computers are bigger, so let's max them out and let's throw in some clouds and maybe a little prescribed sea ice. At that time, we were really maxing out the computers because one of the greatest emulations we can do on a computer is understanding climate change. So these models that are running are very advanced, lots of physics, lots of math and statistics are involved in them, and they're very, 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 very compute intensive, and they put out a lot of data. And the next one was called the first assessment report. Again, this is the, when the Intergovernmental Panel came, came together in the early, in early 90s. They said, okay, well, let's put these models together, and let's see what this model was saying about this. Some models produced clouds very well, some models did temperature very well, but never all the models together didn't produce the right thing. So we said, okay, what's going on here? So we needed to understand what's going on with these models. That's when, we, that's when the Livermore Lab put together the program for Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, uh, PCMDI. That's when we came together to do the intercomparison of, that, of those data sets. 
For the SAR, for the second assessment report, which happened in the late 90s, uh, we said, okay, well, let's put in some ocean. So now we have ocean model coupled with atmospheric model. Put them together to try to get a better prediction of the future on climate change. And then by the late, late 90s, we said, okay, let's do the third assessment report. And now we put in some more chemicals like aerosol and a little bit of, of what we call the carbon cycle. What the carbon cycle is, the, we know that trees take in carbon, they release carbon, and that whole cycle of how the carbon is, in, is introduced into our environment, we need to understand that. And then for the last one, which again won the Nobel Prize, the data set there, which again PCMDI at Livermore Lab is in charge of, we put in some chemistry there and, and some uh, vegetation and a few other things. We also put in the, the conveyor belt and how that's actually rotating in the, in the ocean. And currently we're working on the next assessment report, which is called the, the called release uh, measurement for the fifth assessment report for the IPCC. And that's going to happen in 2013. So right now, PCMDI is collecting all of the data for that particular uh, assessment report, which would be along the lines of 10 petabytes. So if I, had, if I had all the records that were produced in the history of mankind, it will take 400 terabytes to contain all of that. So let me back up. So I, most of you guys probably know what a, what a, what a megabyte is. So... A thousand megabytes make up a gigabyte. A thousand gigabytes make up a terabyte. It's a thousand terabytes that make up a petabyte. And that's a lot of data. I mean, this is, this is about a hundred Library of Congress libraries stacked into one. So it's a lot of data we're trying to produce and move around the country, around the world indeed. Okay, so evaluating the models, like we said, become a lot, inter a lot more interesting. We can condense a lot of the things there. We have the cells that are there. So the first thing you look here is for the first assessment report, you see the blocks are really big. And so, you know, because the computers weren't very big. So three of these cells, and if anyone knows how long California is, which is about, about, a, about a thousand or 1,200 miles, three of these cells represent the state of California. That's at 500 kilometers. And I'm gonna go down, we, at the next one we got a little bit higher resolution, a little bit higher resolution, and now we had a 100-kilometer resolution for the last assessment report. This next assessment report is going to be at one-tenth of a kilometer, some of that to that degree. So it's a lot, lot higher resolution. And not only are we doing it on the longitudinal and latitudinal, which is this, this flat surface, but we also got to go up into the atmosphere as well. So we have these cubes that you can think of it that has all these different variables that are contained uh, in this. So, for example, temperature, Cloudiness, precipitation, all those things are in that particular cube, of, uh, uh, particular cube for, for scientists to kind of measure and take a look at. In addition to the height, we also got to go over time, over the last 200 years as well, right? So it's a, it's a big deal there. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to show you guys uh, a glimpse of what you're going to see in the next, for the next resolution of, of, uh, of the climate model. So what you see here, you can see now we're actually able to take a look and see the actual weather patterns. You see hurricanes and typhoons on the, on the Asian Pacific coming through. And we can actually take a look and see over time how these things build up and on climate change, how the weather pattern, and you get these more richer or more intense hurricanes coming off of, say, for example, the coast of Africa, which are going to hit 
the United States and roll up the actual coast, north or, or eastern coastline. So these are the things we're actually looking at and trying to uh, predict and determine what's going to happen in the future. Okay, so now we want to try to take a look at evaluating the climate models. Okay, so evaluating climate models, we have lots of concerns out there. We want to make sure that we understand the annual climate average. We want to make sure that we look at the daily cycles and temperatures and, and clouds and rainfalls. There's seasonal cycles. We talked about some of the La, La, La Niñas and, and El Niños that are happening out there. There's uh, volcano eruptions that affect the climate change. We talked about some of the natural causes of climate change. There's nuclear weapons tests. There's lots of things that are out there. And we want to look at it in particularly in the last 300 to 150 years because that's something that we, we can actually measure and determine and see how we as humans are affecting our, our environment. We take a look at the sea ice so we can actually take a look at what we call the history of the Earth's atmosphere as well. And then there's weather patterns. And the weather patterns are different than climate change because weather is mainly what's run for, for a week or two weeks at most before the model becomes chaotic. But the climate models are running for a longer period of time on the, on the order of hundreds of years, thousands of years. And that's the difference between the weather model and the climate model. Again, we want to take a look at the El Nino and La Nina patterns, but there's other patterns out there that we also are concerned with as well. So what have we learned from the last assessment report? Well, as you can see here on the right-hand side, you see the best models are in blue to this purple, and we see the worst models are outputting from the orange to the red. And you can see here some of these models, which become nameless, aren't doing so well in a lot of these variables. And the variables you see over on the left-hand side, such as total cloud cover, precipitation, water vapor, those kind of things. Some of these models are doing pretty well, like this model in the center here has mostly white and blue. But what we've noticed is that when we combine all these models together, take these 23 models and we do an average or what we call an ensemble mean, then we get the best prediction for the future of our climate. And that's what we're looking at here and how best to do that. This is when, again, it took huge computers in order to run these models. And then after we take those models, we have to have huge computers to do the analysis of the outputs of these models. Okay, so... That's one of the things we're concerned with, and these are going to talk about some of the things we're looking at for the future as far as the outcome of these models. So you can see here, like I said earlier, this black line back here are, are the observational things that we know that have happened. So we observe these by satellites now, by ships going out and taking barometric pressure, by temperature changes, those things for, for uh, temperature gauges and, and measurements. And then what we've done is we said, okay, we give it a, a starting point, each model, all 23 models. For the next report, it will be 44 models, but for this one, it's 23. And we ran it, and we make sure that the models are within this observational point, and you can see they match up perfectly. Then by the year 2000, what we do is we extrapolate out and say, okay, models, run, keep running for the next 100 years if we put in so much CO2, if we decrease the CO2, and what you see here is if we run, if we go as if business is normal, you see here the red line is a very conservative estimate of, climate, of the warming of the temperature. If we do some changes and stop all CO2, this yellow line is where it will be. Now keep in mind that CO2 and a lot of these greenhouse gases stay in the atmosphere between 100 and 150 years. So even if we stop today, 
climate change still is in effect. But one of the things we want to narrow down is if you look over on the right-hand side, you see that, for example, for this red line here, there's a, a variance between 2.2 degrees Celsius to 5.2 degrees Celsius in increasing in temperature. And we want to make sure that we can narrow that gap to get a better range for the uncertainty of our output. And that's what we're looking at. Okay, so this is, this is kind of a, in, in, in partnership with last week. Last week, the second science on Saturday talked about energy, energy output and needs. So I'm going to put this on the slide again. So on the left-hand side, what you see in the blue line is the U.S. energy consumption. Now you can see we're, 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 we're 300 million people in the U.S. and we're by far using the most energy. But notice this red line. This red line is China. And they're catching up with the U.S. very quickly. And they're putting together, once a week, they, put, they bring online one coal-burning power plant once a week. So the CO2 coming out of there is going to be greatly enhanced. So what we've done is we've actually said, okay, remember that previous slide I showed where the computer models ran and we said the red line is the worst-case scenario that the computer models predicted if we continue to go where we're going. And the black two lines are, again, observations that we have seen. And what you see in these two places here is we observed from 2005 and 2006 that the observed CO2 output is even greater than the, what the models predicted for the last run. And that's what this red is at. And so we're very concerned and we're very looking at, we're looking at how that's happening and what effects it's going to have on the output. Again, we also know that when, just like with anything, when you warm water, particularly seawater, it expands. So we're looking at low-lying uh, uh, beaches are becoming inundated with more seawater. And so we're predicting, this is again a conservative estimate from the last report, between 0.2 and 0.48 meters increase or rise in sea level. Okay, this is just showing uh, basically the glaciers are retreating worldwide. If you look at this here, you see that the... In nine, this is in the Sierra Nevada, right out here in California. You can see that in 1903, you can see that the glaciers are pretty much, you know, pretty frozen over, a lot here. But in 2003, you can see it's, it's dissipating. So it's getting less and less. If you go out there today, I believe the same picture, most of this ice is gone. So you can see that over time, we're concerned about how this is going to affect our planet. And we want to understand it as scientists whether it's going to be good or whether it's going to be bad. Okay, so at this point in time, this is where the interaction part comes in. We're going to actually stop for a minute and we're going to, we're going to do a game. And you guys are going to tell me what you want. So what I'm going to do first before I get that far is I'm going to actually show you one thing here. Is that is, I'm going to set you up for this game. And this game is on the internet. So what you see here are the, are the URLs where you can reach this game. And you can actually play, play it at home. Again, what you're seeing here is, again, the actual data that the scientists are using and the actual data they used for the, for the Nobel Prize in 2007. And actually, the tool that actually they use in order to evaluate the data is actually in this game. So you guys will be able to try this at home. You guys can, 
can play with it as long as you want and try to get a better score than what I'm sure we're going to get today. Because I, <laughs> I don't think we're going to do very well if we get this. So, again, this picture right here on the, on the left-hand side, this is our CO2 carbon emission. We want to keep this very low because we want to keep global warming low. The center is the Earth. You'll see it warm up. And over on the right-hand side, you'll see the transportational output. We want to make sure we meet the energy demand for transportation. And we also want to meet the energy demand in general for the globe, not just for the U.S., but the entire world. So the politicians have a lot of things to do. And if you look over the top left, you see where it says $6. We got to stay within our budget. Now, everything costs money. So politicians are trying to juggle meeting energy demands, meeting their budget, keeping the greenhouse gases low, and then everybody else is screaming at them, I want more of this, right? So now you guys are going to be able to try this out. So let's go ahead and give this a shot. You guys are going to tell me what you want. So when we get, so I guess the average age in here is 13? 15. 15. 15. 12? <laughs> 15. <laughs> average is 15. 15? 15. Yeah. All right, 15. Yeah. yeah. We all are from California, right? All right, California. Currently. Currently. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's try it. So now we're going to get ready. What are our energy options, Dean? The energy options, I'm sorry, are biomass, wind, solar, natural gas, coal, pre uh, petroleum, nuclear, and we can actually sequester some of the carbon coming out. So right now, what do you guys want? Coal, petroleum, nuclear? We got some nuclear. We got some nuclear. I heard, I got some All nuclear. Right, we got nuclear. What else? What else? Wind. We wind. Somebody wind. said wind. What else? I got. We have thirteen dollars left, and we got twelve seconds to put something else in. What do you want? What do you want? What kind of want? Natural what? gas. Natural gas. Natural there gas. There you go. Natural gas. We're here. Solar uh, too. What? Solar. 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 Yeah. We got three dollars left. <laughs> we have nothing else to spend. There's no money. Okay. Now explain. You want to explain? Now we get part? to push the button here, and green is good. Red is not so good. So now we're gonna see. A win. Okay, so now we got advancing win. Okay. So now we can push win. Technology. Energy output <laughs> yeah. win is 50%. So we want to do some win, right? Yeah, make sure you pick some win this time but around. But look what we've good. done. We actually warmed the planet by 1.3 degrees Celsius by 2020. All right, well, you know, coral reefs. Coral reefs, dead. They bleached. They're yeah. dead. Okay, and you guys can Sorry. see now how the planet got a little layer on it. We're going to try to keep that down. Okay. Keep in mind our carbon over here. What do we want? All right, what kind of energy do you want? Wind. wind. We're going with what do you wind. Want? wind. Solar. Solar. Wind. Says solar. Wind, solar. I'm not meeting my transportation. Right I, need, I better do some. We, we need more transportation. Somebody said nuclear? Yep. What else? Oh, wait, wait. Got I'm out bucks. of money. What do you want me to get rid of? I'm out of money. Petro okay, petroleum. Decrease we got rid petroleum. Of. Okay, what do we want now? Have some biomass? Biomass. I got six dollars left. What do I want to do now? Six? Okay. Petroleum. Yeah. Petroleum. There you go. Yeah. Get okay, rid of it. All right. Hurry up. You got... All right. So what's next? Well. well. <laughs> Did you guys? Are you guys paying attention to the CO2 emission on the left hand side? We're not winning this. <laughs> not uh -oh. at all. Uh oh. So right. solar Now we have a solar worse. setback. So I don't think we want to choose solar the next time. Let's see how much, let's see how we did. Well, not, well we warmed the plant by 1.9 degrees Celsius. 
We're losing we our glaciers. glaciers. Okay. Yep. You see how it's warming a little bit here? Okay. Some polar bears okay, have so disappeared. Okay, so NIF is now in effect. Now we have some fusion. <laughs> Hopefully died. this is going to help us out, right? It will. All right, here we go. All right, we got to reduce the carbon, you guys. The okay. carbon's a lot high. What do you want? High. Nuclear? You want some fusion? Go with the right, fusion. Yeah, they want fusion. There's a fusion. Fusion. So wind. We got fusion. So we got wind. wind. What else do you guys want? Okay, we nuclear. Got eight left. We got some nuclear. Nuclear. I got nuclear. nuclear. Biomass. They're saying. Biomass. Some biomass okay. too. Okay, biomass. I am out of money. What are we gonna do now? We don't have any more money. We have money. no more money. We're done. Get rid of petroleum. Oh, okay. Get rid of petroleum. Less petroleum. More. All right. Less, less petroleum is what they're saying. What do you want what do you now? Want? Nuclear. I don't have enough for nuclear. <laughs> I better get something in here. <laughs> All right. Oh, there you go. Yeah. All right. Okay. Here we go. Guys? Question again. And these are actual causes. We don't know what's going to happen. Oh, so man. We're, oh. we're not doing well. Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> we get all red. We get all red this three times. Okay. All right. So now we want to try to see what we're doing. Okay. We want to play oh. 2.5. We are not winning, people. We're not winning. <laughs> we're losing. What did we kill this time? Oh. Okay. See how yeah. Now see how it's getting warmer. Yep. Okay, let's see if we can actually do better the next time. Okay, ready? All right, last, All right, last what do you one, want? I think, right? Okay, what do you want this time? Nuclear. They want nuclear. 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 All right, nuclear. What else do you want? Wind. 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 I got, I'm not reaching my demands More here. Wind. What else? More wind. What? More, More wind. wind. Carbon. Carbon capture. They want carbon. But I, I, I didn't reach my demand. Wait a minute. Let me do one more. Okay. They got carbon petroleum. capture. I have three dollars left. I'm out of money. I'm broke. Yeah. Oh, broke. we've got no more money. Yeah. You're broke. You're done. <laughs> All right. So I have no more money. We're out. All right. Let's push the okay. button. Is this our last? <laughs> Oh, man. They're getting a lot of setbacks. We're not doing well. They're, they're getting We're a not lot doing of well. A lot of setbacks. It must be. It's the, it's the unlucky it's, year. It's, yeah, yeah. It must be me. Yeah. All right, so we warm the planet group. by three degrees Celsius. Okay, uh -oh. okay. Increase in tropical okay, diseases. Okay, they completely melted good. the planet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Notice how the planet is warming still, guys. We got to get that down. This is not looking good. Okay. What do we want? Okay. What do you want? Wind. Nuclear, they're saying. We nuclear. got nuclear, we got Fusion. solar. Solar. More wind. What else do you guys want? Okay. We met our energy man. Let's do some, let's, let's bring it down, son. Take wind out. They said take some wind out. And do solar. Oh, no, because now we're too low. Yeah. Too low. They got to go up. We didn't mean that. We got to go up. We got to go up. What do you want? They said so, carbon. Carbon. Can't. Nope. We got it. We got to meet more energy. Nuclear. We got fusion. All right, carbon. Here we go. We're good. We're They're done. Good. We're good. Okay. All right. Okay. So this we increased it. the global temperature by 3.2 overall. 
Species are dying. We we didn't win, people. We didn't win. It looks bad. Yeah. We just, have 900. We just lost 30 percent of the species. I know. Yeah. We just did. You see this number? You see that number at the end? That number at the end was 993. When you go home and try it on your own, you can get that down to two to three hundred. Then you know you've got it right, okay? We didn't win, we're way too high. The planet warmed by 3.2 degrees Celsius, which isn't a good thing. So we want to make sure we get it to warm maybe in the 0.5 or no higher than one degree Celsius. So if you look at these things, the combination of, of the money involved, the combination of the transportation and the energy needs, the, 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 the greenhouse gases, all of those things come into effect. And then think about all of the people in this room who all want different things. You have to bring that together, people, as a, as a, as a community and get on the right track. So this is really difficult, not just for policymakers, but for everyone in this room. So now you've got a better feel for what's going on there. So you want us to okay. Yeah. So, so we're going to turn so that's the situation. What are some things that you can do to help the problem? What, can, what are some things you that you can do to decrease what, what things could you, this impact? Today when you go home. Yes, sir, over there. Cycle. This person said you can ride your bike to work. Very good. Cycle. Oh, oh recycle. 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 Recycle, reuse. Good. Okay. So you can recycle, bicycle, reuse. Yes. Recycle. Absolutely. We have a hand up. What are some other things? Way up there. Um, sorry. Do what? Raise, Raise less, less cows. cows. Okay. Food okay. choices. Yeah, we know a lot of methane gas comes okay. from cows. Yeah, That's right. That's right. Okay. Okay. What are some other things? Another one. Way up there. We Big voice, please. Turn the lights off. Yes. Yeah, when you're not in a room, turn the lights off. When There's you're not no need for them to be yeah. on. That's right. Okay, over here we have, please. Reduce energy consumption. Yes. Yeah, anything you can do to cut your consumption is good. Right. Another one here in the center. Do what? Yeah, pick up your trash. And then go ahead. Yeah, somebody just said it. Reduce, reuse, and, re and recycle. recycle. There you go. That's the yeah, other excellent. one. That Reduce saying. is big. Right, right. There's another one there. Okay, so cut down less trees and use less trees. Again, that goes with the reducing and recycling. That's correct. Yep. Okay. Any other ones? There's Any other another ones? one way up there. Absolutely. Yeah, turn, turn off the faucet. The faucet. Off. Good. Like when you're brushing your teeth, you don't need the water the entire time. Turn it off for a while. Yeah, there you go. Water <laughs> conservation helps too. I'm sorry, right. I can't hear you. What's another one? Reduce your pollution. Right. right. Some ways right to reduce pollution. Right, here. right in the blue. I'm sorry, build buildings that what? With, oh, with environmentally safe materials. Okay. So, so changing the products that we use for building. That's right. Careful construction. Okay. Good. Yep. So Great. some of the suggestions that we have. See what we've got here. So here we go. You want to do it? Okay. Sure. So, okay. So we, as someone already mentioned, reduce, reuse, and recycle. Very good. And then in the winter, if you want to turn your thermostat down, and in the summer, turn it up so that you're consuming less fuel at home. 
Uh, changing light bulbs. And this is something that's really easy to do is to, to change to more energy efficient light bulbs so that even when you are in a room and the lights are on, you're still reducing the amount of energy that's being used. Um, again, another one somebody said earlier, so encourage others, educate others about what that they can be doing to reduce the amount of energy that they're using. And finally, we see things like uh, walking, biking, or carpool, and I hope you notice how <laughs> Mr. Williams got here today. That's right. Yeah, with his bike. For, for those that know me, I see one of the uh, George Atkinsons in here. He knows I ride my bike every day, and th- I don't have a vehicle. This is this is my vehicle. So did yeah. any of you walk here today? Yes, good. Yeah, All right. so there's quite a few that actually walked here today. Very good. Excellent. All right, Dan. Okay. So let me let me uh, let me conclude let, let me conclude my final slide here. I, I know we want to. I know, we want to, I know we want to get out of here, but I want to make sure you guys understand. So what the scientists are doing today, again, we're looking at fingerprints to, to try to detect the different types of things that cause greenhouse or climate change. And we're also looking at the different types of systems that are telling us a consistent story about, I apologize for this, a consistent story about what's going on in, in our community. And the bottom line is that there's natural causes to greenhouse gases, and there's also um, our human-induced causing to the greenhouse gases. We learned that the climate models are complex and that the climate models are there as used as tools for the community. It's used for, again, all of us in this room. I hope that you guys go home and, and take a look at that climate game. It's free. It's on the web. You can play around with it. Try to get a lower number than we got here today because then you'll win. And I mean all of us will win. So those kind of things we want to take a look at. And think, think about the things you can do for emitting or reducing your greenhouse gas or your climate change effect on the globe. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.